How much time do you want for your progress? progress. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Clatter Chatter on Things That Matter, the podcast that is intellectually engaging, theologically reflecting, encouraging sociologically, imagining ways in which we can live. Thank you for spending this short amount of time with us. We promise you that you will not regret a moment of it. Shout out to Trevor Smith and V.J. Herbert for commissioning this fantastic music to get our minds going on things eternal, positive, and fulfilling life's purposes. have we here it is indeed season three of this podcast clatter chatter on things that matter and dr hayes we began this in the throes the early onset officially of a pandemic of epic proportion coronavirus 20 19, but we didn't get the memo to 2020. Today is May the 3rd, 2023. Come on, Dr. Hayes, let's celebrate for being here three years after and still in. Some crazy. Still in and still a whole lot of things to talk about. I'm excited uh, to share uh, your wisdom and your knowledge so that I can at least keep up. If, if I can't contribute, at least I can learn something. Uh, but it's it's an honor and a, a privilege, a joy to just share with you in these moments and with our listeners as we try to make sense of our current day dilemmas and developments. So I'm here to respond in whatever way I can. Congratulations to you on your faithfulness. Well, the the work is all divine, and um, I keep getting these potential sponsorships, and maybe if my life ever slows down, we might just have to have a few sponsors of this podcast just to see what they say they're going to do. Uh, and I'm kind of excited to monetize. Who knew we could actually make money off of this, and, and maybe somebody – Nationally, might want to pick up our tomfoolery. Who knows? But in the meantime, it sure is great just to chew the fat. There's a lot of fat to chew on on all of these shenanigans. I don't even know where to begin. I mean, these first five months of 2023 have been really crazy. Um, We we are even engaged in debt ceiling conversations. We had two media projects. personalities, I won't call them journalists, to get the acts. That would be Don Lemon and Tucker Carlson. We are on day two of the Writers Guild's strike. How about that? Uh, reruns are, are happening all over the place. And, um, and, and we're still um, betwixt and between 
uh, a lot of political meanderings going on. What what was that special provision of, uh, was it uh, provision 42 or 44 that sealed off the borders because of the pandemic? Well, that's going to be eradicated next week. And so military personnel are being dispersed throughout, especially the Southwest for some reason. I don't know why they're not going to the to the northeast because that's a border too but you see what's going on here different different kind of people coming in through the southeast border. southwest different kind of people mm-hmm. yeah going to the mm-hmm. northeast yeah they're going right, through ellis right. island now you know yeah and so and then governor DeSantis is fighting with mickey mouse i don't know what that is but uh I, can you make sense out of any of this i call it a flexation <laughs> flexation vexation Taxation without representation. We can do all the Asians that we want to to go along with the isms and the schisms and the ills and the eels of this thing. <laughs> and Biden officially announced that he's going to run again. Run for us, run. Life is like a box of chocolates. Run for us, run to see what the end will be. <laughs> oh, well, I know it's a, a lot good of people time. are glad he decided. That he was going to try to run because uh, somebody else is is really raring to go. And since he was able to beat him once, I'm sure he'll be able to beat him again. Yeah, beat him once, beat him twice, beat him in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. (laughs) Oh. I'm I'm rooting for him. Yeah. I'm like those, one of the members of the cloud of witnesses who stand on the shores and just say, keep on running, keep on running, keep on running. Keep on running. The the race is not given to the swift. Absolutely. Neither is it given to the strong. Hallelujah. But to those who endure and persevere. So run this race. Yeah. I'm praying for his endurance. Yeah, and and we need as a nation, as a world, I mean, there's so much going on. We've got the fighting in the Sudan. I think there's somewhat of a ceasefire at this point. Um, uh, We've got this artificial intelligence and chat GPT, and uh, I'm, I'm just really not that concerned with the advancements of technology only because a lot of hyperbole and and people get all excited, but I'm still convinced that if as long as there's human capacity that overshadows artificial intelligence any day and the human capacity that massages the heart, the, the, the soul, um, the space of compassion and caring um, and, and, Things haven't changed. I mean, there were times where we thought all of these advances, you know, gone are the days of telephone operators, gone are the days of of landline, gone are the days of we can go on and on. We are we have been moving into a a, a virtual and digital space for a long time, but the human touch is still the most important. Robotics have their place, but so humans. Um, we won't be going extinct anytime soon unless we keep killing each other. Well, we know that the importance of that spiritual connection. And I think a lot of times people don't recognize it for what it is. But we know when something is void of that spirit, 
and it just doesn't have the same impact and effect upon us as something that is carried by uh, that eternal creative spirit. And so I'm, I'm, I'm in agreement with you. Artificial intelligence might be able to take the weight off of some human endeavor, but it will not replace it. Yeah, I mean, I I um I was reading uh, the one class that I teach uh, in the Department of Sociology, race relations, and was reading the students' final uh, papers, final reflections, and many of them were quite profound. And and I don't know how other faculty would do um, their orderings, but mine certainly uh, has the capacity to make sure that there is no plagiarism. <laughs> Because it's all introspection and and reflection, and if it doesn't, and if it's not about you, then it, it it's it's an exercise of futility. And so we have ways to know whether or not our students are speaking. Because I use this throughout the semester, write a reflection on yada yada yada, and it's random stuff. And so, Doctor Hayes, I was reading one student. And several of them have reasons why they take the class. Some of it is reputational that other students have told them to take it. And others are because it's um, mandatory or because it fits into their schedule. But this one student said, and I couldn't do anything but laugh. uh, Several in this semester had said something similar, that Professor Cooper is eccentric. She has, she'll say something real random in class and, and, and just throw things out there. And, and, and it just, it's upsetting, but cause we got to think about it. And, and, uh, I, several just didn't want to take a class cause it was too much work. Cause you got to think about it. You know, yeah. it's not just linear. You know, we got a syllabus, but we don't ever use it cause she make us think about it. I couldn't do anything but laugh. I was like, wow, I had no idea. You know, I wanted to be that fun professor where everybody, you know, wanted to take the class because, you know, it was lighthearted. But there ain't nothing light about race and systems of oppression that have been deadly. And I think that's what is called for in, in these times that people are willing to think critically about the whole issue of the past and and our true history and how it has impacted who we are today and where we need to go from here. I think that's always the ultimate question. How can we learn from the past? How can we draw inspiration and and uh insight from from history so that we won't repeat some of the mistakes that were made? But for some reason, there are people in our society that don't want that truth to be revealed. And so that becomes another struggle for just to just to know the truth so that we can be free to move on. Somebody said uh, a, a while back to me that the nation would never be able to move on until there is confession and forgiveness. And I think those principles are inherent in our inter- interaction with one another. Unless we can admit that we were wrong or we have made mistakes, we cannot move on because we cannot ask for forgiveness 
for things that we may have done wrong if we don't admit that they were wrong. So I think that some of us are stuck in that dilemma. We don't want to confess that we've done something that wasn't quite right. And therefore we're stuck in this area, this gray area where we're oblivious to the past and uh, in a quandary about the future. Where do we go from here? How do we decide who we want to be in this day and age? Now there's a revocation of wokeness, as they say, but it's all about uh, the importance of the individual and how every person is important in our world and that we cannot discount or discard certain portions of our population simply because they are not like us. Well, who is? I don't think there's anybody like me. I know there's no one like you, Dr. Cooper. <laughs> well, Dr. Hayes, um, you to your point about the liberatory work of truth-telling, that, that really is that sets us free. And it is what Jesus said to the woman who was caught in the very act of adultery. When you know the truth, it will set you free. That's liberatory. That is not folks don't really want to be free to tell you the truth. Cause it's much more easy to blame somebody um, for our confinement if it's mind, body, and soul, but if I'm free, do it free me. If I'm free, then I'm free to take responsibility. And part of that responsibility taking is to ask for, to say I'm heartily sorry and really mean it to the point of repentance or changing. But if I'm not sorry heartily in my soul, then I, I ain't free and I don't want you to be free. So I'm just going to keep on living this lie because I can. And if I can't confess it, my wrongdoings, I mean, that was a whole point. I remember growing up as a kid, this whole equity in terms of punishment or discipline. And, and I always wondered why do we have to say I'm sorry and hug? Cause that's performative. You know, I ain't sorry for what I did, but if you ask me why I did it, I will explain it and then I will let it go. But I never could understand how, you know, some of my relatives, their parents would say, just, just hug and, and go on about it. But that didn't change the wrongdoing that was projected onto me or that I may have subjected somebody else to. But if you let my little formulating mind process it, then I will see the error of my ways and I won't do that thing again. But if all I got to do is say sorry, that's why I wish sorry that word would be erased from my lexicon because it's been used now so flippantly. Everybody say sorry for just, you know, I don't know, standing in line next to you. Sorry. Why are you standing? At, you ain't sorry because you're standing next to me. Be real sorry. Make it mean something. Don't just say the word. That's not liberatory. That's not freedom that's not changing anything it's like using awesome all the time how can we always be awesome when 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 we ain't nothing we ain't that amazing god is 
At best, we average. And average is fine. But why we always got to be awesome and sorry? Make no sense to me. Go ahead, Dr. A. It's not liberating. There's a, there's a standard that's high with the awesomeness, and then there's that low bar of just ritualizing the word sorry, sorry. You ain't sorry. Well, well sorry ought to follow uh, a recognition of wrong. If if there's not a confession, in other words, if if I don't say what I did was wrong, what I said was incorrect, and I'm sorry that I made that mistake or that error, but just to say I'm sorry and you have no recognition of the wrong that was done, this is what confession is about. Um. I recognize that that I made a mistake or what I did was not the right thing. And I'm confessing that I did it. I did it. I hit you. Now I realize that my hitting you hurt you. And I shouldn't have done that. And I'm sorry. I hope you will forgive me. And I get and that. Then, and then if forgiveness comes, then you can kiss and make up. <laughs> But I get that. But what troubles me is, say, for example, some of my less melanated colleagues might say, oh, I'm just so sorry. No, you're not. If I say, like, say, for example, Ralph Law got shot by a crazy white guy, an old 84-year-old man in Kansas City. Somebody might say, send me an email through the university. Oh, I'm so sorry that happened. Well, why are you Why are you sorry for me? I didn't know, Ralph. Are you sorry because that white man had a gun? And he opened up and he shot through the door. What you really sorry for? That's blanketly. And that's, I don't know if sorry is now being equated with empathy. But you can miss me on it. Because it it comes out as being disingenuous. Because if you were really sorry for racism, you would name it. And find that place in which you personally will dismantle that system of oppression. But not blanketly, oh, I'm so sorry that that shooting happened at Mother Emanuel. Oh, I'm so sorry that you have to go. No, I don't need you to apologize. I need you to have a conversation with your racist family members. And y'all all all repent as a collective identity. I don't say say you sorry to me. Go up there and vote and let your sorry ass vote to change some stuff. You know what I mean? Don't don't clench your pearls with your microaggression when you see me walking down the street because you're scared, but then you're sorry at the same time. That don't make no sense to me. Well, if it becomes perfunctory, then it, it is disingenuous, you know. Um, and people say that to cover cover their hind parts, but. Uh, I think it's 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 ludicrous for us to expect that people in that racial situation will really do the work that needs to be done. They don't have to. So, so there's no sense of urgency uh, for them to do it. They can they can look real pitiful and say I'm sorry and just keep keep on moving because they have to deal with people who are in that group on a day-to-day basis, but they don't really have to have them in their 
lives. In other words, I may have to work with you or around you. I may have to pass you on the street or deal with you in the public, but you are not critical to my life. Therefore, I can I can flippantly say, oh, I'm sorry, you know, because that's a socially acceptable thing uh, to say. But I guess what we're asking for is to be, as you say, heartily sorry. And heartily sorry uh, with that willingness to do something to change the situation that you help create. And that's what I think that's what what is being called for in this day and time. And that is the thing that political correctness will not produce. Yeah, so I just don't know, Dr. Hayes. I want to say take your sorry ass somewhere and sit down because that's not going to do anything with your little fake tears. At the end of the day, racism is still painful. Sexism still hurts. Heterosexism is incredibly um, dominating, and your religious idolations towards something that's pseudo-Christian leaves a bitter taste in my mouth because I don't believe the historical Jesus would even be a part of your group at the end of the day based on his radically inclusive unapologetic self for justice and equity and compassion. So what we re- what are we really sorry for? Um, I don't know, Dr. Hayes. Give us some final thoughts. Well, I was thinking about the uh, uh, recording I heard from Tucker Carlson where he, he was lamenting the fact that when he saw an injustice done during the Black Lives Matter protest about uh, um, George Floyd's uh, suffocating death, that um, when he saw some of the demonstrators getting hit, he he wanted them to be actually killed. And he was viscerally involved uh, in in the in the hatred or the out working of the hatred that was felt for uh, the black people in the, in the crowds that day. And it was though he was surprised at his own uh, deep-seated desire to see them be punished and killed. Um, but I think there are a lot of people who have that deep-seated hatred. And sometimes, you know, which we don't want to, I don't want to open that that uh, bag right now, but uh, some of some of the stuff that we have in us in our system is genetic, and um, it's 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 like the it's like that slave syndrome that can be passed on from generation to generation. It becomes a part of you, and sometimes you don't even recognize it yourself what you're feeling or why you or why you're feeling that way. Uh so it's deep, Dr. Cooper. It's it's really a deep thing. And uh, to really uh heal it, it takes a lot of work. 
and most people are not willing to do the work. So we just have to keep on telling the truth about it and hope that enough people will get real to transform our world. That's always our living hope. And Dr. Hayes, we're going deep this season. Okay. Are you ready to roll in the deep, as Adele said? <laughs> Let's go on with it. All right, I got my life this on. All right. All right, it's been a pleasure. A it has been a privilege, a pleasure, and an honor to have you join in with us today. Remember that everything will be all right. Until we meet again, stay safe and well.